0: Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassador's Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Good morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, "You're looking great today. You're looking great. Looking great." What an awesome morning it is, where it's fall time, and can you believe it? This Sunday is our one year anniversary of having English services at Ambassador's Church. (laughs) One year, today. That is crazy. Our church services went from an average of about 250 people in our services before, and now we're having about 200 just in our English services. We're getting close to 300 in our Portuguese services for a combined total of about 500 people every Sunday morning sitting in our worship services. That is God. Someone give God praise. And the best is yet to come. We believe it. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. And, uh, and I, I just want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is moving in new and fresh ways in our church. And there's enough space for everyone to get involved. This is not a movement for one or two. This is a movement for God's people. And so I want to just encourage you this morning, be a part of what God is doing here. You know, Daniela is such an inspiration, as are Michelle and Julia and Julio and all these stories about people that have experienced the power of God. And that power doesn't belong to Ambassador's Church. But, but man, we are a house of hope. And we are a house of healing. And we are a house of prayer, and we are a church for not only Pawtucket, not just Central Falls. We are a church for Rhode Island. We are a church for New England, and we are a church that can impact a generation for Jesus Christ. Are you ready for a word this morning? I'm ready to preach a word, so let's, uh, let's get in our Bibles. We're going back to the book of Mark, and we've been there for about seven weeks now. Uh, And we're only in chapter three still. But there is so much that we've been unpacking. Our theme for the summer was that church is a party, that church is a celebration, not a funeral, that church should be enjoyed and not endured. I don't think you should come here on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and be like, I cannot wait until they finish. I believe that when you walk in here, you are walking into the best celebration, the best party that has ever existed, because we believe that God is alive. And because he's alive, we're alive. And because we're alive, we're going to act like we're alive. Tell your neighbor, you're alive, I'm alive, we're alive. We're alive, so wake up, wake up! And also, this is a great thing that this this sermon this morning is going to be our first uh, episode of our new podcast coming out of our church, which is an amazing thing. Which means that if you miss Sunday mornings, you'll still be able to catch the sermon on Mondays on our podcast, available on SoundCloud and iTunes. So it's going to be great. So we welcome all of our listeners this morning in Jesus name. God bless you. Jesus. But it's so good to be in the house of God this morning. Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 22 through 24. It says this. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, "He is possessed by Beelzebub." <laughs> what? And by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for this time of worship, God. Thank you for the stories of grace. Thank you, God, this morning everything changes because we are encountered by the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this morning would be a morning of transformation In the name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever met that person that always has something to say? Always has something to say. Like, good, bad, or indifferent, they always have a comment. And they always give their comments at, like, the most inopportune times, awkward times, quiet times, or just like a time where nothing should be said. They, They will manage to mess the whole thing up and just say something. Anybody been there? Is anybody that person? Let's just be honest. Is there anybody who just always has a comment? All right, got it. We're cool with this. This is family. We're honest. <clears throat> That's just the way it is. You know, There's, there's people that just always have a comment for, for everything. And, uh, and, and, and so it, it, we're in Mark chapter 3. And we're, we, through these several weeks that we've been spending in this, in, this, in this book and in these chapters, we see that every time Jesus did something, there was a group of religious people kind of on the sidelines watching what he would do. These guys, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, the religious leaders of the time were watching Jesus' every move to see if he would break the law of Moses, and therefore he could be convicted of a crime. And if he could be convicted of a crime, then they could manage for him to get killed. And so they were kind of just watching his entire ministry on the sidelines, waiting for Jesus to do something that would break the law of Moses, which was the laws of God. And so Jesus was doing miracles on on the Sabbath day and encouraging people to feast on a day of rest and and every uh, protocol that they had ever known, every law, every guideline that they had lived by for so long, Jesus was not only like breaking them, but he was transforming the way we, we can think about the law of God by being the completion of the law of God. And so the Pharisees are on the sidelines, and they're ready to critique every move that Jesus makes. Uh, But in this particular passage in Mark chapter 3, the Pharisees take it to the next level. And so before, they had been critiquing what Jesus was doing, healing on the Sabbath day, encouraging people to eat on the Sabbath day, doing all these things. But in this passage in Mark chapter 3, the Pharisees are criticizing who Jesus is and who sent Jesus. And so they start saying to Jesus, in no uncertain terms, unapologetic. They say he is possessed by Satan, and it's by Satan's power that he casts out demons. They're saying this to Jesus, the Son of God, the Most Holy One, that he is possessed by Satan, and it is through Satan's power that he can cast out demons. I want to give you a reminder this morning that if you are called and anointed by God, there will always be resistance to the call of God over your life. And so if people think that, well, you're not doing it because you're called, you're just doing it because you're full of yourself, or you're doing it because, don't, don't question what people's motives in saying those kind of things. Just know that those that are anointed are those that will face resistance all the single time, every single time. And so if Jesus faced resistance, you're going to face resistance too. Tell your neighbor it's going to be all right. There's always resistance. There's always the group of haters. There's always the people that always got something to say. Who do they think they are? Who do, who, who do they think they are doing that, leading that, giving a story of grace? They're not, who, who, who do they think they are leading? Who do they think they are? greeting like that at the door you know those people that are just negative like who do they think they are? smile at me like that like who who do they think they are hugging me that there's just people that always got something to say Mm -hmm. sometimes we think that you know being called of God and doing the will of God means an absence of resistance but I would argue the latter or the whatever the opposite is that every time you say yes to God there will be an increase in resistance to you So whenever you see an increase of resistance, keep pushing forward because you know you're doing the right thing. Amen. There can be open doors but still be resistance. You can be in the center of God's will but still be facing headwinds. And I want to just remind you of that because that will give you a peace of mind when you start questioning am I or am I not in God's will. I want to just say you are. Just, Just seek to know and do God's will. And even when you face resistance, keep pursuing that because when your heart is in the right place, the results will come way later. The fruits come way after the seed is planted. Just keep planting. Just keep planting and let God make it grow. So there was resistance. And so I, I, I question, you know, for those of you that always have something to say, what would you say to somebody like the Pharisees who were saying to Jesus, well, well he's possessed by Satan. It's by Satan's power that he's casting out demons. What would be our response to a crazy, stupid claim like that? What would be Jesus' appropriate response to a ridiculous claim that he is possessed by Satan? It's, It's even uncomfortable to read. It's even uncomfortable for me to even say that verse on the mic is that these guys are saying that Jesus was possessed by Satan and that it was by Satan's power that he casted out demons. It's extremely uncomfortable for us that are followers of Jesus to even hear those words. And so what is the appropriate response I want to give you a word of encouragement. For every resistance, we're not going to ask God to decrease the resistance. We're going to ask God to give us the appropriate response to the resistance. So every time there's headwinds, every time there's resistance, every time there's obstacles, you're not asking God to remove the obstacles. You're asking God to give you the appropriate response to deal with the resistance. There's always an appropriate response for resistance. A lot of us res- respond to resistance by, by lashing out, right? We, we, we act out in anger. So if we face any kind of uh, like confrontation, our immediate like, fight-or-flight response is to fight. We're just ready to give it. Give it back in the same way that we got it. As people of God, as those that are called to walk in the way of Jesus, I believe that when we are governed and led by the Spirit of God, God gives us a wisdom and a discernment to respond in a way to resistance that is outside of our normal temperament or personality or character, and it's in the character of God. So when you start facing things that are trying to come against you, I don't want you to act, and I don't think God wants us to act out in the flesh. Start lashing out. I'm going to backstab them because they backstab me. I'm going to start kind of criticizing them because they criticized me. I'm going to lie to them because they lied to me. No, I believe you people... Know, People that are filled with the Spirit of God will always be given the the, the proper response to resistance. Amen? And so Jesus is teaching us this lesson right there in the book of Mark. He's basically, I wish Jesus could kind of like put commentary on top of what he was doing. Because as Jesus was being confronted with this crazy claim of the Pharisees, he responds with all grace. He responds with all love and, and, and all acceptance. These guys who deserved like a whooping, they deserve like straight up to be, I don't know, just imagine the worst punishment. They deserved it. But, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, Thank God Jesus doesn't give us what we deserve sometimes, right? He, he, he was still, you know, adamant about just speaking the truth to them in love. And he said to them, how can Satan cast out Satan? He just said that to them. How can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand and a house divided against itself cannot stand. How can Satan cast out Satan? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. But in that simple phrase, in that response to resistance, what Jesus was doing was he was teaching us a lesson that wherever there is division, there is defeat. And wherever there is unity, there is victory. Tell your neighbor where there is division, there is defeat. Tell your other neighbor where there is unity, there is victory. This morning, I want to talk to you on the topic of unity. I want to talk to you about the, the importance of unity, about us being one in Christ and us having one heart and one mind. Because wherever there is division, there is destruction and there is defeat. Yes. And so uh, my, my first thought this morning would be the following, that division is not of God. No. Nope. Division. Wherever there is division, God's not in it. That's right. God's not in it. Division is not of God. Does that mean, you know, every church in the world, we should just all pack out one big stadium and, and we should all just be united and arm's linked. We have one heart and one mind with all those that are Bible believing Jesus preaching churches around the globe. Amen. Yes. There needs to be a church within walking distance of every person on the planet. So, so division doesn't mean we all have to be in the same place. I mean, unity doesn't mean we all have to be in the same place. Unity means we all have the same mind and the same heart. Yes. Yep. Division is not of God. In, in virtually every single one of Paul's letters, Paul warns, against the, warns the church to watch out for the people that are dividing the church. Yes. He says it pretty clearly. In Romans, I think it's Romans sixteen seventeen. He says, watch out for the people that are dividing the church and flee from them. He's basically saying scope them out and run the opposite way because they're no good. Paul, not Shane, not Pastor Lizzie, not Pastor Carlos, Paul. So take it for what it's worth. Paul is saying run in the opposite direction of division because wherever there is division, there is defeat. And so the enemy loves division. He loves tension. He loves underlying things to just kind of simmer. You know when everybody knows it, but nobody's saying anything, the enemy loves that kind of thing. Because that sort of thing is destructive over the course of weeks, months, years. If we can leave division kind of as the foundation, the church and the mission of God will never go forward. But this principle of division goes for everything in life, not just the church. If there's division in marriage, that marriage can't succeed. It goes for finances. If, 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 if one spouse is like a, a spender, like crazy, and the other one's like a penny pincher, like super cheap, that's very hard to kind of move forward toward goals if you have two very different mindsets. You got to talk money before you get married. Talk money before you get married. Talk money before you get married. It's a big thing. I mean, I hear that random statistic, and and these days, there's so many stats that there's stats for stats, and so I don't know if it's true, but they're saying, like, the majority of divorces are caused by by financial issues. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. No, I'm not saying you, girl. We're married and we're happy, but I'm saying others. (laughs) She's like, they're going to think I spend a lot. No, no. (laughs) I'm warning against those other couples, those other people, <laughs> elsewhere in Canada, right? The other people that are not married yet. But no, but praise God, that's a conversation that we had before we got married, and that's something we got from my parents. So it, it, it's something that you it's, it's something that you learn, so that once you get married and once you're you're called to be united with someone, there's no surprises. That's why all the, all the secrets gotta come out of the closet before you, it gotta come out, let me say another analogy. It has to come out of the, the under the rug uh, before you get married. There can't be anything hidden that you're gonna expose later. That's not fair. That's not, that's not fair. Wherever there is division, there is defeat. And so in marriage, I believe that the church needs to have strong families. Strong families. And so if we have strong families we have a strong church. Strong marriage is strong church. Yes. Man, did you know that the enemy fights against your relationship on Sunday mornings? Yes. The enemy is on like a high alert on your marriage right before you need to come to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's when that's when everything happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you you got to fight for the unity of your household. Yes. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so it goes not just for the church. This thing of unity goes for us as individuals. Man, have you ever been in a, work, a toxic work environment where it's like everyone hates the boss, the coworkers don't get along, like no, nothing is good. Like there's no camaraderie. There's no unity. There's no like there's nothing like oh, I'm working for you, like we're working and just helping each other. That, it's very hard to work in a toxic work environment like that where it's just divided. People take sides and everything is just weird and unspoken and tense. I hate tense environments. I hate it. It irks me. I hate tension. And I mean sometimes I'm the cause of it, but I, I hate it when I when I you know But I wanna I wanna encourage us because where there wherever there is division, there is defeat. But number two is this that God always works through unity. God always works through unity. In John 17, it's, it's a passage, it's a beautiful passage called the High Priestly Prayer. And a lot of times we focus so much on the Lord's Prayer that we forget that Jesus prayed at other times. But Jesus prayed a really long prayer in John 17 where he told the Father, he told God, Lord, make them one as you and I are one so that the world may know that you are the one that sent me. I, I teach this in our discipleship class because this is so important. I'm going to tell this to you today. What Jesus is saying through that prayer is he saying that the unity of the body of Christ will be proof to the world that Jesus is who he says he is. Nothing demeans the gospel more than the division of the church. How can we claim to love and serve this God, but the world is looking at us and seeing all of our division and all of our strife? I don't want to be part of that, the world can say. But also, nothing serves as a better testament or testimony to the power of the gospel than the unity of the body of Christ. And so whether you like it or not, I'm your brother, and we're called to do life together. I love you so much. Tell your neighbor, I love you. you. So when we walk in, when we walk into church on a Sunday morning, when we say, welcome home, that's the first words you see when you come in. What we're doing, what we're saying, the culture that we're adopting is this, that we are one family, that we are one body. You know, we may have disagreements with one another, but disagreements doesn't mean we're not family. If anybody's ever sat at a Thanksgiving table with people that have radically different political ideas than you, you can be family but still have disagreements. And that's what I love about the body of Christ. We are people from every language, every culture, every nation, every background, every zip code. But when we walk in there, it's welcome home. We are family and we are one in Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. Man, only God can do that because the chances are we would never be in the same room if it weren't for Jesus. We wouldn't all be singing the same songs and coming to a building on 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning if it weren't for Jesus chances are most of us would be living separate lives in separate places doing different things if it weren't for the common denominator of Jesus. What I love about Acts chapter 2 is that when the church began to explode, it doesn't say, well, the church just started growing because they had the right worship songs, or, or it doesn't start growing because they had the most charismatic preacher or the best graphics. The church grew because the church had one heart and one mind. And where there is a united church, the enemy suffers losses every single day day of the week we have to be united intentional unity intentional unity not unity by mistake not unity by chance oh we're united because we like the same things no we're united because we serve one god we're not united because we have the same opinion about, well, post-tribulation rapture, pre-tribulation rapture. I could care less when the rapture happens. I just care that my heart is right before Jesus, and I care that other people will follow in Jesus, too. Ooh, predestination or whatever destination. My destination is heaven, and that's all I care about. All I care is that I want people to know that they are loved by God. Oh, well and we get so theological that we lose the essence of passion for following Jesus well is it going to be this or is it going to be that well Isaiah said Ezekiel trumpets beasts monster I don't care all I care interpretations are great have a conversation about it at the right time for our purposes here this morning what we need to know is that we are all sinners saved by the grace of God and that's all that matters we are united because we serve one God we are united because we were bought by the same blood We are united because we worship one Savior. We are united because we believe in one Jesus, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is God of all things. And so, yes, we may have difference of opinion, but you are still my sister. You are still my brother. That's why in church we can't have gossip because gossip disrupts the unity of the body. That means if you have nothing nice to say, keep your mouth shut. And I'm not saying don't have an opinion, I'm saying keep your opinion to yourself. It's human to have an opinion, it's demonic to share that opinion sometimes. Keep your opinion to yourself. Because you can't be quoted for things you never said. That was so good, man. Ooh, I feel like running home. I feel like jogging on home and saying, I did my job today. You can't be quoted for things you never said. So it's better to not say it and not be quoted than to say it and say, oops. Right? Because everything comes back around. What goes around comes around. Always. Maybe not this year, but 2025, 20, something will bubble up to the surface. You know how that is, man? Things from the 90s are bubbling up now. Right? It may take a while, but it comes. That's just the way humanity is. yo. if we want to be united, we have to be united intentionally. Man, I want to be united with you. Does that mean I hit you up every day? Let's go have pizza. That's not unity. That's hangouts. (laughs) Unity means, like, I'm here for you no matter what. Unity means that we have the same heart, same mind, same passion. And I'm telling you, we may not see each other every day, but when we do, it's a party. You know, I have this one friend that I grew up with in school. This one guy, We've been, we went to school together from third grade through twelfth grade. And we, like, don't, we don't talk every day. We don't even talk every year. But when we do talk, oh my goodness, it's as if we were in fourth grade all over again. Because we're united. I mean, not united like he's not like my blood brother. I'm talking like we're cool like that. And that's the way it is with the body of Christ. Like sometimes we feel like unity has to be forced. Well, you got to come to my house and then I got to go to Man, we got lives and schedules. You know, and we can't afford it. We can't afford to always be eating out. You know what I mean? We got to stay home at some point and, like, eat our groceries that we bought. So, so but unity means, like, I only learned that once I got married. Like, these groceries need to be eaten. Like, we're not going to spend all this money on groceries and then go out. Like, we got to, that bread got to be eaten. That cereal needs to go to the very last drop. We're not, th- we're not going nowhere until that lucky charm is gone. Come on. That milk can extend past that expiration date in Jesus' name. <laughs> Lay hands on that gallon. Be cured in Jesus' name. We speak health and wealth. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Because, yeah, well, once it's your dollar, then you start giving, you know. That's why I would say, if you have an option, live at home until the day you get married. Right? I slept in my twin bed in my, like, five by seven room till I was 26 years old. Hallelujah. Yes. And it was great. Yes. I love being married, but I also love not having bills before. So Just bring it- I'll still choose marriage, though. I'll still choose marriage. But unity has to be intentional. That's right. So you know what? For Ambassador Church, I reject any spirit of division. Yes. I reject it. I speak it into these speakers so that the speakers can speak it into the atmosphere of this building. I reject it. That means if the enemy thinks he's going to start speaking out the words of division, we're not going to have it. We're not going to have it. And I will go into every room and put anointing oil on every doorpost and say, we reject division. In Je- I will go to all your cars and anoint it and say, we reject division in Jesus' name. I did it to my apartment when we moved in. I put, You can see little oil marks on the corners of our rooms in our, on our, because I reject it. Go to your doorsteps and put oil, oil, oil. And you may say extreme. I don't say extreme. I say intentional. Because you know what? If we're going to want unity, the natural tendency is not oneness. It's division. The natural tendency is always for people to drift apart. And so unity has to be something that we fight for. And so, man, for our church, we're not going to settle for, well, if we're united, fine. If we're not, fine. We'll just go. We'll do it. And we'll get it done with. And we'll see each other next Sunday. No. No. If we're going to go forward and be the people of God without, you know, spot or wrinkle, we're going to have to be united. And my last point is this, is that if a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, a kingdom that is united and a house that is united can stand against anything. The gates of hell can prevail against a divided church. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. The gates of hell can prevail against a divided church. But the gates of hell can't prevail against a united church. That means if we have the same heart and the same mind through thick and thin, when I love you and when I can't stand you, we're still united. Satan can't disrupt that. So today, with these beautiful chords in the background, we're going to have a love fest. And I mean that in a very spiritual way, by the way. I mean, we're going to love each other in a way that only Ambassador's Church can do. Because we're called to unity. We're called to unity. This world is more divided than ever. Have you noticed? More divided than ever. I mean, we fight about everything now. Haven't seen it? Go on Facebook. Scroll one time, and you'll find division. You'll find a post, and you'll find commentary about everything. We're divided about so much. And so more than ever, it's the call of the church to be the church. It's the role of the church to be united. Because the, the world, they can it's divided. But Jesus said the world will know us and will know that Jesus is who he says he was because we are united with one heart and one mind. Amen. I love you so much. And I don't say that acting like I know everybody, but I do know that I was loved with an everlasting love. And so even if I don't know you intimately, I can still love you. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ that Christ gave himself up for us, and so we are called to give ourselves up for other people. I can say with, to you this morning with every certainty in my heart that I love you, that I want to be with you, that I want to champion the calling of God and the purpose of God in your life, yes. that this is not a competition. Mm-hmm. This is a competition against darkness. Yes. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting against sin. We're not fighting to see who's gonna come out on top. We're fighting. For a kingdom of God that is gonna prevail after everything is said and done. So I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on, everybody up on your feet. We're gonna find some people that we're gonna hug and we're gonna love on for a moment and we're gonna tell.